0: The title of this message is "Light Up Your Life." Now, one of the great Christmas traditions that we all have, you know, is uh, it uh, revolves around light. I remember as a kid, one of my favorite things to do. There was a uh, a town Joyce lived in it, in Roswell, Georgia, and uh, it was kind of near downtown Roswell, Joyce. And they had these subdivisions, and they had uh, they'd take bags like. Uh, uh, the kind of bags, sandwich bags like that. And they put sand in the bottom and they put a candle and you'd go through the subdivisions and all these lights would be through the subdivisions. And I remember, I just really, really enjoyed seeing that. And hey, this year, don't we have a beautiful set of lights out here? Thanks to the Reeves and many of you who came up here and worked one Saturday and I've got compliments on how beautiful those lights uh, look. And so anyway... it Christmas many times revolves around the tradition of light. If you look in the Bible, one of the major themes of the Bible, if you trace it through the very first verse of the Bible, I mean the very beginning of the Bible all the way to the end is the idea of light. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 John. God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. Not only is God love, the Bible says God is love, but God is light. And then the very first act of creation, the very first thing God said to be creative was, let there be light. And then Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And so even on the very first Christmas, light played a major role. Do you remember who God appeared to? It was the shepherds and they saw this bright light from heaven and all the angels singing, and J. Vernon McGee, a great scholar, believes it was every single angel was singing that day. And could you imagine the glory and the light that burst upon uh, those uh, those shepherds there? Um, and then think about the wise men who came. We think at least two years later, because Herod killed, wanted all the men, all the babies two years in age uh, killed. Uh, that's why we think Jesus was probably about two years, and I know in our major scenes we see the the wise men. Here we've got the wise men at the birth, but again, this is a human thing, okay, even though it's spectacularly beautiful, whoever put this up. but Herod wanted all the babies two years in age killed. why would he do that if Jesus was the newborn? And so we think that Jesus was around two years old, and the Bible says that those men from the east traveled and they followed this bright light in the sky, a star. Now, we don't know what that exactly was, but somehow there was a bright light in heaven that appeared to be like a star that was pointing them in the right direction. Light played a major role because Christmas is what split time between B.C. and A.D. Before Christ, and A.D. doesn't mean after death, It means Anno Domini, which means in the year of our Lord. And so light is a major topic in the Bible. The reason Jesus even came, the Bible says, was to give light to this world, to light up the world. Listen to John 1, 1 through 5. Before anything else existed, there was Christ with God. That is God the Father, God the Spirit. He has always been alive and He Himself is God. He created everything, eternal life is in him, and this life gives light to all mankind. His life is the light that shines through the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Hey, think about this. World looking dark to you? looking darker and darker and darker. Matter of fact, uh, Jesus said before the end of time comes, and the Bible teaches it, that this world's going to get darker and darker and darker and darker and darker. But listen, it'll never snuff out the light of Jesus Christ. And one day, guess guess what? When we are in the new heavens and the new earth, uh, the temple, God will be the light beaming out of that temple forever and ever. The light will never go out. Now, what does it mean? that Jesus is the light of the world. What does it mean that he came to give light to those in darkness? Well, he's not talking about physical darkness. Uh, look at the lights we have in this uh, uh, building right here. There are lights now that are just blinding. I remember going to a rock concert when I was a teenager. I will not name the band. But they, they had these bright lights on stage and you could hardly look at the stage. We've got lights now like never before that are almost blinding. And so he's not talking about physical darkness. Even back in ancient history, they had oil lamps. They had other things where they could light. And so there's always been physical light. And when Jesus said, let there be light. By the way, that verse we just read said he was the one who spoke that. Let there be light. So it's not physical darkness He's come to give us light. It's not even intellectual darkness. Sometimes we say a person is in the dark. Bill and I were talking this morning, we have to update some forums about the, uh, our incorporation as a church for legal reasons. And we hadn't updated them in a while, the Secretary of State told us. And so Bill and I are talking about how to do that. And Bill asked me, and I told him, I have no clue. In other words, I'm in the dark, Bill. I don't have a clue. And normally we say that talking about somebody who's not necessarily dumb, but somebody just doesn't know about that, that topic. It's a figure of speech that we use. But when Jesus came to light, he was not talking about intellectual light. Some of the most brilliant people on earth, as far as academics are concerned, may be people who are atheists. Christ did not come to give intellectual enlightenment. Obviously, we're not talking about physical darkness or intellectual darkness. We're talking about spiritual darkness. Out on our sign, I don't know if you noticed the new sign, but it said this, We are born in darkness. Jesus is the light. Boy, I pray somebody will see that and it hit them like that. Did you know that Martin Luther, the great, uh, that led the Protestant Reformation, just read one verse out of Scripture where he got saved? Here's what he read out of the book of Romans The just shall live by faith. He read that, and it's like God just pointed him. That's how you get saved. The just, that means someone's been made right with God. How does he live? I mean, get resurrected, receive eternal life by faith, and faith alone. And so, boy, I pray that God would just use that sign that we're all born in darkness, but Jesus is the light. Spiritual darkness, blind, sin blinds our spiritual eyes. We are born spiritually, all of us, therefore, in darkness. Now, what does it mean to be born in spiritual darkness? Well, we mentioned this Wednesday night. There are three parts to a man. There's the body, there's the soul, and the mind, and the spirit, and then there is, I mean, the mind, and the will, and the emotions. That's two-thirds of man. you got the body, you got the soul, but then there's that spirit what we're all born with. And guess what? The spirit is born darkened. And it needs to be lit up in order for you to go to heaven. If, if it's not... If we're living in spiritual darkness, then we have a distorted view of God. Some people think that God is an angry judge. Some people think that God is this grandfather up there sitting on the celestial por- porch. You know, I just love everybody, going to let everybody in. Hey, you got your Oprah Winfrey theology. That's what she believes. And listen, she has a distorted view of God. Uh, there is the book called The Shack. Many of you have heard it. And it has a distorted view of God. It's really a heretical book. And uh, because it was written by somebody with a darkened mind, there's a distorted view of life. People look at evil in the world and they say, How can a good God uh, permit evil in the world? life is going to look unfair to people like that. It's going to be chaotic. It's going to look out of control. Do not, doesn't the world look out of control right now? But it's not if you know the Lord Jesus Christ and you know your Bibles. And then not only will you have a distorted view of God and distorted view of life itself, you'll have a distorted view of salvation. When I was pastoring that little country church in Mississippi, we went out witnessing... And we went up to this one house, and the lady came out. She was, I don't know, probably in her 70s. And we asked, I asked her, uh, hey, you got a church home? And, and uh, do, do you know the Lord is your Savior? Have you been born again? And she went, oh, I'm a Baptist. And I'm like, well, good. I said, but have, have you been saved? And she said, Yes, I remember when I went into the baptismal waters. They were just wonderful. I just came out feeling so clean and so good. You know what she was doing? She had a distorted view of salvation. She's lost. You can be a Baptist and be lost. Because she thought that just because she went through these waters, somehow that gave her the right to go to heaven. You can be baptized a thousand thousand times and still bust hell wide open. You can be here every single Sunday, read every Sunday school lesson, read the whole Bible through a thousand times and still bust hell wide open. Because you are in spiritual darkness and you need a supernatural light to enter your heart to lighten you up. Now, listen to some verses on how God rescues people out of this spiritual darkness and gives them spiritual light. All right, listen to this. Colossians 1.13, For He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. So guess what? We're born in darkness, the kingdom of darkness. we got to enter a new kingdom, and that is the kingdom of God, the kingdom of life. Remember when God ta- Jesus talked to uh, Nicodemus, and He said, Nicodemus, you got to be born again. You are born in darkness, Nicodemus. You've got to be transferred to the kingdom of life. He said, Nicodemus, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of darkness. Listen to 1 Peter 2, verse 9. It's about people who have been saved. And he says to them, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possessions. Why? Why? so that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. So let me ask you the question. Have you ever made the transfer? Has has Jesus ever transferred you from this state in which you're born in until a state of light in the kingdom of light? Mine was 10 years old. Gail, how old were you when you got saved? She was a lost Baptist church member. 25 years old. What a child. What a child she was at 25. But she realized that even though she grew up in a very strict, independent Baptist church that measured your skirts, literally, uh, to make sure that they were long enough, even though she grew up in that kind of environment, one day the Lord turned the light on and she was led to Jesus Christ. Buddy, your late husband led you to Christ. Isn't that right? So, isn't that amazing? Can you go to a time... Where Jesus turned the light on in your life. Ephesians 5.8, <clears throat> again, Paul the Apostle is talking about how people were here and how they got transferred here. Uh, For though your hearts were once full of darkness, now you are full of light from the Lord and your behavior should show it. That means if you say you've been transferred to darkness into the kingdom of light, you ought to live like you're lit up, Right? <laughs> All right. Now, with that in mind, I'm going to talk about this. Jesus came as a light to do five things. And notice how I put a little period behind each of those words. L, period, I, period, G, period. Because we're going to take that word light and we're going to use that as our sermon outline today. Very simple little message, but it's very, very informative. All right. First of all, Jesus, that word, let's let that word L represent. He came to let us know what God is really like. God, we could not truly know God unless He took the initiative to reveal Himself. Uh, We wouldn't know Him. Now, we can look at creation and see certain things about God. Listen to what the Bible says in Romans 1 verse 20. From the time the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky, and all that God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse whatsoever for not knowing God. And so you've heard me say this, if anybody atheist ever comes up to you and says, well, I don't believe in God, you know what you need to do? Turn around and say, well, I don't believe in atheists. And then you take them to that verse. God says, He is clearly seen. Throughout creation, and there's no excuse. You are running from the light. God has given us the light of creation. We can know what God is like by looking at the beautiful things God has created. I mean, you, if you follow me on Facebook, sometimes I'll post a picture of a bird that's just absolutely stunning. How could God? make a, picture, a bird like that. Did you know that a woodpecker, the way that thing is, is rigged, <laughs> rigged, I guess created, not a rigged. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, is, it does something to its brain so when it pecks, if we were to peck like that, our brain would be scrambled eggs, okay? But somehow God has wired that thing to where it goes, and it doesn't affect its brain. When we see things like that, we're, we marvel at God. And we realize we serve a God of power. We serve a God of design. We serve a God who has great wisdom to make all that work. Uh, and we see the glory of God. We just marvel at it and say, wow. But you know, there's certain things that we could not know unless God took the initiative and revealed it and shown us the light. Listen to this. He showed us through His Word and through Himself that God is love. That He has grace to forgive us. That He is a kind God. That He's a compassionate God. You read all throughout the Old Testament that He is like that. We could not, even though He's a powerful God... And a wise God, there are people around this world who are afraid of him because he's so powerful. And that's why they'll worship demonic gods to keep off the rains or to give them rains or to keep off the storms because they're afraid of that God. When I was in um, um, seminary, we had a a missionary, a former missionary. He's one of our professors, just like Ronald Reagan. His his, uh, name was Dr. Howard Bickers. That's right. And he told the story about how he was out witnessing to some people who were totally, totally pagan people who'd never heard the gospel. And he began to share with them about you know the Lord and how He can save us. And here's what they said. They'd never heard the gospel. And they said, well, we believe in all these spirits down here, but we believe there's some, some being above them, but we can't get to Him and we worship these spirits here to keep the rain off or whatever they're trying to do. See, in their own nature, they knew there was a God. They knew there was something above that they were worshiping. But one of the reasons Jesus came was to show us what God is really like. Listen to what the Bible says in Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. Long ago, that's in the Old Testament, God spoke many times and in many ways, dreams, visions, burning bush, to our ancestors and through the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, thus saith the Lord. But now in these final days of human history, He has spoken to us through His Son. God promised everything to the Son as an inheritance, and though the Son made the universe and everything in it, The Son reflects God's own glory, God the Father, and everything about Him represents God exactly. Now, there is a thing what we call progressive revelation. That is, you start off with an acorn and you go into the oak tree. The acorn is in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we see that God is the creator. But then it evolves and there's visions, and there's angels, and there's the prophets that teach. And then all of a sudden, the one who wrote all that, who created the world, shows up. And now, for 33 years, he lives his life, and when we look at him, that's who God is in the flesh. And then after he left and was resurrected, we talked all about him, and his implications of his life, and then John the Apostle saw that he's going to come again and describe how he is going to come. There'll be a new heavens and a new earth. And so we learn that through this progressive revelation. Isn't it wonderful to be on this side of all that revelation, to hold it in our hands when many people lived in, remember the dark ages? Because they didn't know the gospel. They lived in a very dark, dark time. Now, Christ came to let us know what God is like. Now, we know our current president, Donald Trump. And let's just say, we've read some of his tweets. We have watched him on Fox News. We have um, looked at him in other news where they dog him all the time. And we know a little bit about Donald Trump. We know he's rather bombastic. We know he's rather orange looking. Is he not? Matter of fact, they call him the orange man, okay? And we know that he is, you know, he's, he's kind of arrogant. He's confident in himself. We know that he's a hard hitter. He likes to fight, and he ain't going back down to nobody, okay? We know all those things about him, but you know what? We really don't know him. We know about him, but I've never met him. I'd love, I'd love to meet him some, sometime and, uh, uh, and talk with him. So if you went to Washington, D.C. and you were there, would you rather hear a description of Donald Trump from one of his associates or would you rather meet Donald Trump and sit down with him and ask him questions? You know what God did? The Old Testament describes him. In the Gospels, Jesus said, you can get to know me personally. You can know God, the God who authored uh, this book. Listen to what Jesus said to Philip. Jesus uh, said in John 14, 8 through 9, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. In other words, if we could just see the Father, everything would be great. And Jesus replied, Philip, don't you even know who I am? Even after all the time I've been with you, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking to see him? Now, what does that mean? People get confused by that word. What do you mean, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? What Jesus was saying is is this. I represent the Father perfectly. I mean perfectly. I'm the mirror image of the Father. I and the Father are one. So, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. He wanted to let us know what God the Father was like. And so He came. Listen to what the Bible says in Colossians 1.15. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So He came to let us know what, what God is like. Now here's another thing why Jesus came. is to inform us of God's plan. Again, you can look at the skies and the stars and the creation, but there's nothing about that that says that you're a sinner, that you're in need of a Savior. So Jesus came to tell us God's plan. Nobody knows about this plan. As a matter of fact, I believe somewhere between 80% of the world, maybe 90% of the world don't know this plan. Jesus said, the road to heaven, few find it. Jesus came to inform us of God's plan. There's no way we could have known this apart from Christ. Jesus said in John 18, I came into the world to tell people the truth. Now, one of the words that you'll read in Paul's letters are the words mystery. The mystery about Jesus. Now, when we say the word mystery here, I think of Sherlock Holmes, especially Basil Rathbone, who was the best Sherlock Holmes ever. He just looked like Sherlock Holmes, what it looked like. I love those kind of mysteries. But when the Bible says that Christ was a mystery, it's not talking about one of those detective show kind of things. The word mystery in the Bible means this. It's something that is hidden that has to be revealed. It used to be hidden, but now it's revealed. We see, if we're saved, we see God's plan very clearly that the only way to heaven is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so it was a mystery. Most people don't know it, but guess what? If you get saved, you know the mystery. You know the answer to the mystery. Listen to what the Bible says in Ephesians 1, 9-11. God's secret plan has now been revealed to us. It is a plan centered on Christ designed long ago that means from eternity past. And this is his plan. At the right time God will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because of Christ, we have received an inheritance for God, for he chose us from the beginning and all things happened just as he decided long ago. What is God's plan? Remember, God never says, oops. (laughs) He never says that. God, somewhere we believe before the actual creation of the world, created the angels. And one of those angels, uh, was we would call him Lucifer or Satan. And here's the thing about, about Satan. God did not create Satan. God did not create an evil being. God created a perfect angel, apparently a beautiful angel, and might have been the music minister in heaven, leading worship and passing on glory to God. That's why I always say you gotta be careful of them music leaders, you know. <laughs> and uh when the devil was kicked out of heaven, he fell in the choir loft. You know, that's a Uh, Another story there. But anyway, so the devil decides, I don't like passing on all this worship and glory to God. I'm tired of this. I want to take some of it myself. Matter of fact, I'll go up there and kick God off his throne and I'll be worshipped like God is. And so we know the Bible says that Satan was cast out of heaven. And um, although we don't understand all of that, after that, some period of time, God created the heavens and the earth And he created on the sixth day of creation man, Adam and Eve. Put them in the garden, gave them one command, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Satan came and tempted them. And um, as Dennis would say, see, um, Eve was the one that Satan deceived. Eve took that fruit and gave it to Adam. And Dennis said, "This he was the first henpecked man in the universe." Okay, I like that because he he, Dennis said he should have said, "Don't give me that fruit," but instead he said, "Yes, dear." So uh, anyway, I thought that was good. I'll never forget that Dennis. I'll never ever read that story again about thinking Dennis and the henpeck woman, henpeck man. Okay, so. He got henpecked, and so you know what that happened? His body was alive, his soul was alive, but the light went out in his spirit. And so God had a plan to turn that light back on. And that is to tell people all throughout history that light is coming, that light is coming, that light is coming. The light came, and the Bible tells us how to turn on the light. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son... That whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you have the life of God in you, you have the light of God in you. Everlasting light. So he came to inform us of God's plan. Listen to what uh, Paul the Apostle said. When I think of the wisdom and scope of God's plan... I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father. Now here's another thing about Jesus. He came to guide our steps. He came to guide our steps. One thing that happens when you're in darkness, you're in danger. How many of you have ever stubbed your toe in the middle of the night? And you you're, you think you're okay. Boom! Ah! You stubbed your toe. Toe. And by the way, do you know what bless your heart means? It means stupid idiot. You should have known that. Okay, so if someone says I hit my toe, just go, well, bless your heart. Bless your heart. Um, my children's director, uh, my former church, she one time, she, she, she's like, I I lost my day timer. I lost my day timer. I can't believe the janitors threw it away. They threw it away. And I said, where did you put your day timer? On top of the trash can. (laughs) You know what I said to her? Well, bless your heart. Okay, so... Jesus came so we wouldn't do stupid stuff like that. Not physically, but spiritually. Do you know there are people all around this world don't know why they're doing what they're doing. They're stubbing their toes spiritually. They're trying to walk without a light and they're crashing and ruining their lives. Jesus came to help people find a way in this world once they get saved. He is the flashlight of this world. Gail and I were talking about deer and how they must have something. I don't know a whole lot about deer. Some of you guys could enlighten me on this. But deer apparently can see at night. Otherwise, they wouldn't be jumping through the the woods. If I were to try to run through the woods at night, boink, you know, I'd run into a tree. I'd get my eyes poked out. I'd be all scratched up. But deer... Can see, apparently can see at night, okay? We can't see in spiritual darkness. But if we give our lives to Jesus Christ, you know what the Bible says? We have the mind of Christ and we begin to see with the eyes of Christ in this world of spiritual uh, darkness. Listen to what the Bible says in John 8, 12. I love the Living Bible Translation. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me you won't be stumbling through the darkness, for living light will flood your path. Remember that song we sing? Footprints of Jesus that make the pathway glow. We will follow the steps of Jesus wherever He goes. And so Jesus came to guide our steps. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 4 verse 9. But the way of the wicked, that is those without the Lord, is like complete darkness. Those who follow it have no idea what they are stumbling over. In this world of darkness, Satan has put traps and snares and briars and things that will hurt you, and only the life of Jesus Christ and the light of Jesus Christ will show you the true way to go. All right, now here's another thing that Jesus came for as a light. He came to heal our hurts. He came to heal our hurts because of the fact we haven't walked in the light. And by the way, you can be saved. And the Bible talks about you can get away from the light. You don't go back in spiritual darkness as far as losing your salvation, but you can get away of following Jesus. And when you get away from following Jesus, you can stub your toe and you can get yourself hurt. And in this life, there are things that are going to hurt you and what you need What we need in a hurting world is the light of Jesus. You know what light does? It encourages us. When you're depressed, what do you see? Just darkness all around you. And what do you need? You need the light of Jesus Christ. When you are physically sick, you need healing, and what do you do? You go to the doctor. But remember for spiritual and emotional healing, we must go to what we refer to Jesus as the great physician. The Bible calls him Jehovah uh, uh, Rapha, which means God is our healer. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 14, 18. He's quoting the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me, that is with the power of the Holy Spirit, to preach the gospel to the poor, that is the spiritually poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. And so one of the reasons Jesus came into this world is because this is a dark, hurting world that looks out of control. And Jesus came into this world as a light to say, listen, even in this darkness, there's hope. There's hope. He came to heal our hurts. And then here's the final thing he came for, and I I can't wait to share a couple of stories about this. He came to transform our lives. That's why the light came. Jesus is in the life-changing business. Sometimes when I'm meeting people, the standard questions are this, where are you from? Uh, especially at church, what brought you today to Franklin Baptist Church? Oh, you know, so-and-so, and so so I'm, I'm learning about them. And one of the other things I do, what do you do for a living? What is your business that you work for? You know what Jesus' only business is? Changing people's lives. That Jesus is in the life changing business. Listen to what Jesus said in John 10 verse 10. I came to give life, life in all of its fullness. 1 John two: eight, the darkness in our lives disappears, and the new light of Christ shines in. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5:17 When anyone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person on the inside. He is not the same. Anymore, he a new life has begun. He transfers, transforms our life. Listen to Romans 6, 4. We are buried with Christ by baptism, that is a spiritual baptism, and we are dead from that old life as Christ was raised from the dead. Now we also may live new lives. I heard firsthand this story, so I know it's true. There was a church that was doing a witnessing training program, teaching people how to share Jesus. And they were going door to door. And this one guy, he had real trouble memorizing all those verses you're supposed to memorize. I remember I did continuous witnessing training. There's 30 verses I had to memorize. And I had to memorize a plan of salvation too. It was hard. It was almost like memorizing a sermon. Okay? So this one guy, real country fella, had trouble with the English language, was scared to death. And he went out to witness this guy who was the number one drug dealer in that area. He was mean. He was dangerous. He was dark. So he knocked on the door like that. The guy came to the door, what do you want? And he said, I just want to tell you that Jesus loves you and He died in your place on, on the cross and He'd forgive your sin if you can ask Him into your heart. And the guy ran off. He was so scared. About a week after that experience, this guy, was this drug leader, he went to see a lady of the evening, if you know what I'm talking about, at a hotel. He gets there and begins to undress himself and all of a sudden... Her boss, the pimp, jumps out and stabs him, slits his throat wide open, and robbed him and ran off. He was able to get up, ran outside, collapsed in the parking lot. He's bleeding to death, and someone calls the paramedics. They come out there, and they, save his, they, they take him to the hospital. He is literally dying on the table, and he remembered that guy telling him about salvation. He cried out to the Lord to be saved, and God transformed his life. Now, I heard that firsthand from him. As a matter of fact, his name is Bill Purvis. There he is. He is pastor, Cascade Hills Baptist Church in Columbus, Georgia. When he went there, this was a church of about 30 people. We've got about 30 here today. The church was dying. The church was fussing and fighting. They had run off their pastors. He got there, and that little church began to grow. Today it runs over 3,000 people. Bill goes around speaking all across the nation. He spoke for me. Uh, at the last church that I pastored, I'm telling you, Jesus is in the life-changing business. Amen. And... Uh, that's his church right there, and I think it seats about 3,000. That's his parking lot. They don't have Sunday school there on campus. So they didn't have to build a bunch of buildings, and, uh, but it, it seats, I think, around 2,000, the sanctuary. He is in four services right now at that church. And so, uh, listen, I'm telling you, Jesus is in the life-changing business. Hey, have you ever heard somebody say, oh, don't worry about witnessing to him? Don't worry about witnessing to him, man. He'll never come to church. He hates the Lord. Listen, God likes to save people like that. Amen. Because when they get transformed, we think, wow! Where sin abounded, grace superabounded." But let me tell you something even cooler. Right here. Wednesday night, I preached on, again, Jesus being the light and how we need God to rescue us from light from darkness to light. And I had the youth come forward. I just really felt like God wanted me to have the youth come forward, all kneel, and if they hadn't been saved, ask Jesus to come in their heart to save them. And we walked away, and I I said, now if you got saved, I want you to tell Miss Gail, or tell me, or tell one of the other youth workers, just tell somebody that you got saved. Uh, We walked away from there, didn't hear anything, didn't hear anything. On my way home, I was driving, and I said, Lord, I have preached the gospel. I have shared my faith. I've invited people to church. God, I'm discouraged. I know I'm not evangelist, but Lord, please let somebody get saved. I get home. I didn't tell Gail that. We got home. We were there about an hour, and Gail got a text. And she said, listen to this. Here's the text from one of our youth, Michael Riggs, who was in the play. Remember somebody in the play literally shared Jesus with him? And here's what he said. Hey, Miss Gill, we were in the preaching room. That's what he called the sanctuary. We were in the preaching room when we were listening to that song. And when Brother Jeff was preaching, I got saved. And I said, oh, hallelujah, (laughs) what an encouragement. What an encouragement. And hey, listen, he wanted to tell Gail that because you know what he realized? God transformed my life. God transformed my life. Jesus came to transform our lives. Let's bow for a word of prayer.